8 of 11, not 7-Eleven, but 8-11, not the route in Forest, Virginia. That is a popular one. We'll explain what that means right now in covering the Commonwealth Part 2. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Lynchburg Hillcat. 811, not the route in Forest, Thomas Jefferson Road. No, we're talking about eight of the last 11 games that the Hillcats have played. They've emerged victorious. Jason Prell, Jasprell19 are his social media handles with the Lynchburg Hillcats and with us in the fast lane. Jason, you had preached having a little bit of patience. How much is this starting to come around, particularly the pitching staff finding a groove as we saw at Carolina this past weekend? I think it has a lot to do with it, Ed. I mean, we're getting to that point of the season where every other team is calling up their best players. They're losing the talent that helps them be so good at the start of the year. And the thing that separates the Hillcats from the rest of the league is they're being fed by an organization that has one of the best farm systems in all of baseball. So if they lose talent, they have more talent coming up. That's not the case for a lot of these other teams. So the Hillcats, we were patient, and I think we're finally starting to see some of the rewards of the offense turning the corner and the pitching really starting to uh, hammer at home. Indeed, we are starting to see that. Uh, And, of course, that means there might be some explosions coming offensively and Outside of City Stadium this coming week when the Lynchburg Hillcats welcome Delmarva, including two nights for 4th of July Independence Day fireworks. You're a fireworks guy. You got to be pretty excited for this. Oh, I I cannot wait. I'm going to be exhausted at the end of these next two weeks, but it'll be totally worth it. The amount of fireworks shows we're going to have, we're expecting great crowds uh, on the 3rd and the 4th, so I don't think anybody can be more excited than I am. From Wednesday through Sunday the 9th, the Lynchburg Hillcats have games every single day at Lynchburg City Stadium, lynchburg-hillcats.com. Jasperl19 as well to see the glee he'll be experiencing from fireworks nights next Monday, 7-3, and Tuesday, Independence Day, both fireworks days. Jason, thank you for your time today in the fast lane. We appreciate it much and hope you do enjoy fireworks night. I appreciate it. I hope to see you soon. Now to... NASCAR. Jared Haas, the real Jared Haas, his Twitter handle and from frontstretch.com. Jared, a pleasure to speak with you. Hopefully we're okay to joke about this since uh, you had a bit of a rough afternoon yourself with uh, something hitting the windshield of your rental car. Was that impact as scary as the rake we saw yesterday at Nashville with Ryan Blaney pounding the one portion of the track that does not have a safer barrier, the inside wall? Yeah, well, I was driving home 15 minutes away from returning my rental car. I didn't even see what hit me. It just happened so fast, and all of a sudden, I got a five-inch dent in the windshield. Glass made it all the way back to the back seat. Fortunately, all I've got is just a few nicks and scratches here. Fortunately, I'm fine. But, yes, it does bring the concern with Ryan Blaney with the safety features of safer barriers. Anyway, NASCAR drivers or racing in general, they will find a way to hit the wall. And that wall, is, it's harder to get with, but he, Blaney hit it at the right angle. And it was a little bit farther down from the pit wall. Obviously, you're not going to have safety barriers on pit wall. Pit crews are going to have to jump over that. But that section of the wall was past pit road. Jared, 
as it relates to NASCAR, this seems elementary, and I understand there is a cost element to this, something that reverts back to our guy Kenny Powers. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. That plenty of organizations, whether it's NASCAR or SMI, don't want to spend the dollar, dollar bills, y'all. But should this be mandated at any NASCAR track for any of the top three series, that if you're going to hold one of those events, you got to have safer barriers everywhere possible. Yeah, and this is, comes at a very interesting time where we're going to the Chicago Street Course uh, this weekend where it's more of a temporary track. Um, you know, it doesn't look like there's safer bears all around. But, I mean, you think for something that's more of a permanent structure that that safer barrier should be around inside and outside of uh, walls of the track. But, again, like I said, that investment Nashville's, you know, more recently, um, like I said, they had races from 2001 to 2011 um, just for Xfinity and truck and, you know, had the resurgence back a couple years ago with cup races, races as well, too. So, you know, you think this track would have kept updated, um, but they've definitely, like I said, invested in this track. And I think that's an important investment that Nashville Super Speedway will need to do. Um, because, like I said, they're, I think in next year will be the last year of their contract. They put some pretty good racing. And if we, if we get the safety issues behind them, should be a pretty smooth sailing for Nashville Super Speedway. It should. That is the operative word. Speaking of what we saw at Nashville Super Speedway with Jared Haas of FrenchStretch.com. Jared, the race itself, how important was this for Ross Chastain to get a win uh, in lieu of the fact that you know we compared him to Chase Elliott? Elliott has won a championship, has won races in multiple seasons, and Hendrick has earned the benefit of the doubt. There's not that you know quite level of cachet built up with Chastain or Trackhouse, which does beg that question. How important was the win with all that in mind? That was huge. Um, Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez, they haven't won in over a year. Daniel Suarez last won for Trackhouse Racing at Sonoma. So it was over a year since Justin Marks visited Victory Lane in the Cup Series. Even though Chastain, our front stretcher Steven Stump, said his. I think Chastain led over 983 laps between his win at Talladega to here at Nashville. I think it was a big, important, uh, big step for Ross Chastain to have a dominant performance without any of the controversy that surrounded him for basically the past year and a half. So it was a big statement for Trackhouse Racing as a whole to say, hey, guess what? You may have like forgot about this, that we're actually a winning contending team. Ross Chastain's not just in the headlines to rough some feathers. No, he's got a win now to back it up. He's locked himself into the playoffs. He's probably going to get there on points anyway, but now the probably part can be eschewed for certainty. Speaking of certainty, the analysis is certainly, and it is certain, there is a certainty that it will be great at the real Jared Haas on Twitter and frontstretch.com. Jared, appreciate your time. Continuing wishes for you in terms of safety and travel uh, as we don't take that lightly given uh, whatever it was that hit your windshield earlier today. Absolutely. Like I said, I, the first one I had that tweet, thankfully, okay. I'm thankful that, you know, I'm blessed to live another day with that. That fortunately didn't cause any more major injuries. So, like I said, thankful for this opportunity, Ed. We are thankful indeed. Always great work from Jared Haas with us on W226BG Timberlake, WVGMAM Lynchburg, WMNA, Gretna, Danville, Southside. Trey, what are It could have been say? worse for him. He could have spent the weekend with Brian Nolan. Was that even necessary? I'm just kidding, Brian. He listens to this, actually. He he gave me rare reviews of my impersonation of you, so I'm just kidding, Brian. You know I love you, buddy.
I mean, I don't know if that apology is going to get the JoJo treatment or not. Or if it actually will manifest itself into something more. Speaking of... And last but not least, or maybe least, that professional football team in Landover, Maryland, or is it Ashburn, Virginia? Is the talk finally going to manifest into a sale? We could be trending that way. The NFL has called a special meeting for July 20th. With that being the target date for the final approval of the Washington Commander sale to Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment, which is Josh Harris's group, Seawall, Candy Waller of Seawall Sports Entertainment with us in the fast lane. Seawall, are we off base or are you on board with our theory that, guess what, you would not have gotten that meeting called if the NFL wasn't certain that they were ready to pass this sale through a vote? Exactly right. Definitely on board. It's been the talk that everyone, absolutely all parties involved, wanted this done before the start of NFL training camp. So we're hoping all votes are yes and that the sale is officially approved on July the 20th. One person who could be involved in this in a minority capacity, of course, is Joe Gibbs. It appears that Josh Harris has agreed to have a minor purchase with his group, Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, into Joe Gibbs Racing. And on the flip side of that, Gibbs will be a limited partner in Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, which of course is about to take over ownership of the Washington Commanders if all goes well. How smart is this, if nothing more than the fact that it opens up a direct pipeline of communication between the new owner, likely, of the Washington Commanders, Josh Harris, and a guy who knows the good and not so good of the culture of that franchise, which Harris is trying to change? I think this is a super strategic idea if, indeed, Joe Gibbs is one of the minority or limited partners in the Washington Commanders. I mean, everyone loves Joe Gibbs. That is one person when you're talking commanders or just historic and legendary Washington um, franchises overall, Joe Gibbs' name comes up. So if Josh Harris is indeed strategically partnering with Joe Gibbs for all of the other um, endeavors that he's doing, on top of that, the Washington Commanders, that's a super, super duper smart thing. And that means that Joe Gibbs absolutely believes in the direction that the franchise is going. Candy Waller, Seawall Sports and Entertainment. Seawall SE is where you can keep up with her on Twitter as well. Candy, the Washington Commanders, they're not returning to Richmond for training camp. That move has now become a report official, so obviously it's not officially official, but credible reports like Sports Business Journal, who's as good as it gets when it comes to plugging into that stuff. They say that's going to happen. Sad, but this was inevitable, right? Because most NFL teams are going away from that form of training camp anyway. Absolutely. It was inevitable. I mean, you, you like you just said, a, a lot of teams were going away you know, for their training camp practices. But, you know, they're away so much all the time anyway. They do like to be able to go home to their families and friends and where they're more familiar versus being out of town, so to speak, for training camp. So, yep, definitely inevitable for sure. Speaking of things that appear to be inevitable, you know that teams are going to look for the best deal possible. Sources also confirming the Sports Business Journal, and we ask you this because we know you cover the Washington Wizards as well. But the Wizards, as well as Capitals, part of Monumental Sports and Entertainment, the Ted Leonsis Group, they have talked to Virginia government officials about relocating the Capitals and Wizards from downtown D.C. to Northern Virginia. Is this serious or is this more a ploy to get a better deal in D.C.? 
think it's I think it is serious in terms of those talks. I think it would also let me just add be unfortunate because there's such an opportunity now to have all of the DC teams in DC actually. But these are definite talks, and that is definitely a story to watch as well in terms of all the different moving parts for all of the DC teams right now. We got to ask you, Seawall. How does your dad think about that move and potential move along with, well, everything else he's opined on to you over the last week about the Wizards? Oh, I think he's just about done with the Wizards right now. So hopefully, I know, you know, he's been watching the Wizards for a very, very long time. And he's just waiting for the kind of carousel of nothing to stop turning for a while. And hopefully this new regime maybe doesn't make fans wait so long for there to be some um, gratification in in them reaching the playoffs and getting a little further um, down the playoff road there. But he's definitely about out of patience with this organization for sure. And he has voiced it to Candy Waller of Seawall Sports and Entertainment, who's been with us here in the fast lane. Seawall SE, her Twitter handle to keep up with her. Candy, a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you much for your time. And we look forward to reconnecting in a couple of weeks as we're off next week for the Memorial Day. Not the Memorial Day, the Independence Day holiday. Absolutely. I'll be talking to you guys in a couple of weeks. And that does it for us today in the fast lane. Trey, one more nugget. We have to remind you that at 640 tonight. Five. 645 tonight. Thank you. Game three. Winner take all. Pulse. LSU, Florida, Men's College World Series. We're already late for the Zach Gelb show. and We're only going to carry a chunk of it anyway. We know you're the expert. The Foul Ball Area Podcast will probably be recapping this at some point in the next couple of we days. We actually will as my stuff falls. Go ahead. What happens tonight? I think Paul Skeen's either going to start or close. This is uh, probably the number one pick in the draft coming off of three days rest. He threw 120 pitches in one of my favorite baseball games ever, which was the uh, elimination game against Wake to go to the College World Series. I think he, my gut is telling me he starts tonight. I think also could see him closing, a la what a lot of pitchers do, you know, come game seven of the World Series. You'll see a starter close the game. Uh, I think LSU just, they have the two best players in the country. Uh, Jack Caglione, who's the uh, Jack Tani, is going to pitch for Florida tonight. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, I think Florida puts up a good fight, but ultimately too much talent. Um, Tommy Tanks is clutch. Dylan Cruz is clutch. LSU just seems to be getting these timely at bats uh, in the in, in late in games. They've played a lot. They've played really good games. Really good pitching. LSU wins. Question. One more for you, by the way. Hit me with it. 6.45 tonight is our airtime for Game 3 of the College World Series, LSU in Florida. The question being this. I, I, again, I'm not a baseball guy. I'm not betting on this game. I don't know much about baseball. You know, I'm, As I've gotten more into this, I've tried to fine-tune so the areas good. that I bet. Hey, that's College great. baseball is awesome. And look, if, that's, if you know enough about it, go for it. For me, you know where my areas baseball's are. Baseball is awesome. Football, motorsports, we're kind of fine-tuning it. Maybe a little college basketball, but we're getting more narrow in the scope. Sorry, if you want more, you know, what can I tell you? I'm not trying to throw darts your way. But here's my one question. How important is it for Florida to score early and get the lead because that at least prevents LSU from being in total control of when Paul Skeens go in? Or if Skeens goes in but LSU is trailing, Florida at least can operate with the knowledge that, hey, We've got our lead. Now we've got to protect it. Even if the pressure's on us, we're at least in the driver's seat. Yeah, you want... Uh, they ideally want to bring Skeens in a clean inning, a.k.a. like just the start of an inning, or if the uh, with no one on. Um, 
my gut, I really think he's going to start tonight. Like my, because I really think at the end of the day, if you're LSU, Paul Skeens is your guy. You start him, and you 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 try to try to establish that early. I mean, Florida's coming off a game where they had 24 unanswered runs. Like, let's not forget that. Um, I, I think that is a great point of if if let's say Skeens does not start, trying to force LSU's hand of getting Skeens out there in not a clean inning would be very important. There you go. So for more recap of that, maybe a little bit in the fast lane tomorrow, but you know where to go. The Foul Ball Area Podcast is really your spot for that. In the meantime, thanks to all of our guests today. Thank you, Trey, for hanging in there just a little bit longer along with all of our great listeners. Now it's time belatedly and briefly to go live to the Zach Gelb Show and then 645 tonight, Game 3, College World Series, Men's College World Series.